Welcome to the Millionaire Next Door podcast with Robert Curtis, CFP, accredited investment fiduciary from Signature Estate and Investment Advisors. In this podcast, we help successful wealth accumulators like you looking to transition to a work optional lifestyle by helping you build strategies for growing and maintaining your wealth. Robert draws from years of experience and fiduciary responsibility and interviews guest experts to help you build reliable strategies to grow and maintain your wealth. Now, on to the show. The role of the human resource professional has changed dramatically over the past few decades. Hiring the best talent is just one aspect of a job that may now include everything from legal compliance to workforce motivation and fiscal goals. Robert's guest is a former HR executive of a Fortune 500 company who has experienced this and more in her 20-plus years in finance, IT, and strategy. Robert, please tell us more about Anissa Deshpande. Okay, very good. Very good, Patrice. Um, and welcome, welcome, Anissa. Um, I brought on a guest uh this for this episode, I, I think we'll find really dynamic. She's a very, um, very knowledgeable in the HR field. It's Anissa Despande. Uh, she's a former human resources executive of a Fortune 500 company where she oversaw the successful hiring of 20,000 people in 150 countries annually. And I had to double check at the beginning of the podcast to make sure that was annually. Not just once would have been enough, but she had to do this every single year on the road. Uh, she designed internal talent initiatives to achieve uh, business results. And while most HR programs are heavily focused on compliance, Anissa helps teams think bigger, align to business goals, and create experiences for employees. She founded Log Lab in 2015 and now combines her 20 years of experience in finance, information and technology, and strategy to help companies modernize human resources to grow revenue and create a place where people love to work. So that's that's introducing Anissa. You'll meet her shortly. I have a number of questions. We're all hearing uh, about the challenges in HR, hiring people, keeping people uh, pre and post COVID in this new dynamic. So I wanted to welcome Anissa. How are you, Anissa? Thanks, thanks for being here. I'm doing well, Rob. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've actually been planning this for quite some time, and I'm I'm just thrilled to have you on. I started having some some guests and. Uh, I have sort of a value-added support team, people I would turn to if somebody needs some assistance. Certainly for HR Matters, I would absolutely bring you in. There's just no question. I work with several, you know, 401k plans and employers. Uh, but I know you have a really dynamic approach, and you're, you're a consultant, similar to I am, and you go in and advise and give this perspective. Um, I know you have a lot of creative ideas, how do you define modern human resources? Yeah, so um, modern HR is exactly what you said. It's HR that's um, based that that leads to uh, revenue growth and creating a place where people love to work. And so, while in traditional HR you see that things are more compliance focused, it's 
It's more about getting the company not to be sued. I think a lot of CEOs deal with yeah. traditional HR people who run into their office and say, oh, we have to do this, otherwise we're going to get sued. Modern HR really focuses on four dimensions, the culture, the organization, people, and rewards. And it makes sure that all of its programs and services, all the things it's working on, is aligned to driving business goals. Um, and then it also has, it's very proactive. It uses uh, data and analytics to make sure it's getting ahead of talent trends. So it's not just reacting to what's in front of it. Um, and then it, it really focuses on creating an intentional or unique um, employee experience so that uh, when it designs services and programs, it takes very much an employee and manager point of view versus I think more in traditional HR, you see it take a very compliance point of view, making it very bureaucratic. This is really designed to say, well, how do we make this a, a process that employees are compelled to use because they see the what's in it for me? So just like I, I, I tell my clients all the time, um, just like you're, you're intentional about your customer experience and how you go about attracting and retaining your customers, You've got to take that mindset now and apply it to your employees. And that's what modern HR is really about. That, that is great. That, that just brought up so many points for me. I mean, I'm running a business here and there's, there's the day to day, but, but all these, obviously we want to grow revenue. That's important, but have people love to work. You know, I have a team. I'd love to think of them as engaged. I, I just started something when we had little successes uh, you know, you, you got to have this little bell you ring, you see them. I, we don't like really do it, but I thought let's, let's ring a bell, you know, in celebration of something. But I love how you describe that, how you engage. It's a process. I mean, we're doing the same thing here, but just the way you describe it, it is awesome. Um, another question. I mean, so as I understand you, you've written a book on this recently. Uh, you sent me some, some info on that. Talk about, um, Talk about your book or how you even chose to write the book, why you wrote it in that format, how that's going. And, and, and I want to preface that with um, it's one thing to I've heard from a lot of authors. It's one thing to, to know what's going on, but to write a book that is an enormous undertaking and really demonstrates a higher level of mastery. So tell us about the book. <laughs> Tell us about it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So um, I started writing this book. I, I got the idea for the book in 2020 during the height of the pandemic when after I had binge watched all the TV shows and, and really was just kind of craving for something more. I've always been a creative person. So prior to writing this book, uh, I, I mean, I've, I've been a poet my whole life. Um, and so I, when I want, when I went out on my own, one of the things I really wanted to do was connect more of the creativity that my, my creative side with my work side. And so I got this idea in 2020 about, I had all these anecdotes of how I would explain modern HR to potential customers and they, you know, people would get it, but they'd nod their heads and they, they really wouldn't consume it the way that I wanted them to. And so um, I decided to take all those anecdotes and all those stories that I had and put them into a fiction novel. So the book is about a company that, a, a private equity backed company, manufacturing company that is facing a, an existential threat. And so the CEO has to shore up all aspects of the business, the sales, the, you know, the, the customer success operations, et cetera. Um, but 
uh, and he's got, he feels pretty good about the plans for all of those different groups, but he's struggling with HR. And so they've got massive turnover. They've got to stop the bleeding. They're losing key talent. And so he's got an HR person, a CHRO that he has confidence in, but he is struggling to lead her um, and, and guide her to taking more of a modern HR mindset. So this is their journey. Um, as she kind of takes on, uh, as she goes from a traditional mindset to a modern HR mindset. And as she builds mm. an HR strategy to help uh, save the company. Um, and so uh, she works with a coach who is loosely disguised as me, who guides uh -huh. her on this journey. And that's how the story plays. And it's, it's, a, it's a very light book. It's fun. Um, a lot of the stories take place um, outside of the office. So like, it's kind of like the meeting after the meeting, you'll find uh, Jen, the protagonist, who's the, the CHRO, she will be in uh, at a bar at a happy hour with her friends. This, this was obviously pre-pandemic. Um, or she'll be, you know, talking to her spouse and she'll relay what happened during some of those sessions. And so it's, it's a pretty fun book. If you're, if you're a Cubs fan, there's a there's a baseball theme in there. There's some cheap beer mm. themes in there. So it was intended to just be a really fun book to write. And I wrote it in this way because I tend to get bored when I read nonfiction books after like page 150. And I wanted something where people could actually visualize what this was going to be like, where I could paint the picture, not just deliver facts and and, and mm -hmm. anecdotes around that, but tell a comprehensive story about what a what a how a company can go from you know high turnover, a lack of focus in the HR space, you know, struggling revenue to you know a growing business where people are engaged and love to work and a real modern HR mindset. Wow, that is that is awesome. I mean, there was there was some I personally see a lot of silver linings to COVID. I don't, I don't know about you or that process. I don't know if you're, you're nodding in agreement. It, it's yeah. been, but it, you know, it caused a pivot. It got you to write a book. I had no idea you were a poet. So that's great. So you, you know, you brought that in a lot of what I do. I tell people is it's still, you know, part art, part science, you know, there's yes. part of these two going on and that's, that's the magic. And, I love how you put it into, you know, instead of just being a, uh, um, a uh, nonfiction book, you've done it as a fiction book, um, but, but to lay out, write the lessons or the, the, the things you wanted people to understand. And, and any business, really anyone, we're just faced with external threats all the time, you know, very fast, especially on the HR level. Um, you know, even COVID, talk about it, it talk about the underlining of, a, of an external threat, but just, just from a business, you think of Best Buy, you know, or me sadly giving away my record collection because LPs would never, ever come back, you know, but what was they hearing Best Buy could have bought Netflix originally for some, and, you know, they thought they, and their whole business was to charge people uh, their big biggest revenue driver was late fees, apparently. So let's uh, not treat the client well. And that, so that's amazing that you you brought all those in. I want to I want to read this myself. I should have <laughs> already read it, but that's that's fantastic that you wrote it. Let me pivot to I guess I do run a business. You know what what should I do, or not just me, but anybody 
you know, what should people be doing as a leader lo- looking for more for their, your HR team? What are your thoughts around that? Yeah, I mean, look, every company is different. And so I think you first have to look at what's happening in your business and ask yourself why. Um, another thing that I recommend CEOs do is go out and read the reviews on Glassdoor and other sites to get a view of what your reputation is in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And, and to not just let that information sit out there, right? I think one of my big, um, one, of the, one of the things I really try to help CEOs understand is you just have to be as intentional about your employees as you are about your customers. And so if you had a bunch of bad customer reviews sitting out on Yelp or some other source, you would be taking uh, tremendous steps to rectify that. You'd be responding to the reviews. You'd be figuring out internally what kind of changes you need to make. You'd be very prescriptive about how you go about driving customer satisfaction, customer success back up. It's no different with employees. I think you need to really look at Glassdoor, you know, internalize the information, internalize what's coming in from your internal satisfaction reviews and start building a strategy for how you're going to structurally address those key themes that are coming up. Um, I also recommend not only looking at your Glassdoor, but looking at your competitor's Glassdoor to understand how and how you may be different, where your rating is, comparing and contrasting. That's another piece of information that can help you build a really modern HR strategy um, that is structurally addressing the issues that exist around your culture, your organization, your people, and then your rewards. Yeah, that that is so interesting. I, I think about it in my, just within my practice, you know, people ask me what differentiates us or where we separate. And I I usually say it's our people, our practice, and our process, but the, the people are right up front. It's that that experience, but you know, we try and measure that, but uh, our firms actually, I guess we're continually on this um, LA's, Los Angeles's 100 best places to work, so I suppose that's, uh, somebody's validating that, and that's good, but your role as a coach, it's, it's just huge. You know, I work with some coaches too, and I view myself somewhat from a coaching perspective and I I, um, I have a sports background or orientation so I understand um, you know even if you're a professional golfer if you were one of the top golfers in the world your swing coach probably couldn't there's no way they could beat you on the course or do better but they can see things there you know and right. you can help with that process and if you engage them and it, it's just amazing um, so wow this is this really really interesting. Uh, what are the biggest obstacles company face in adopting modern HR? Yeah, I mean, I think it's that shift of mindset, right? It's it's not just the HR group that needs to shift, but also the CEO, the leadership team, how they interact with HR, how they engage with HR, um, you know, how they present problems to HR. One of, the, one of the things that we find in companies is CEOs and business leaders often tend to give the HR department directives versus telling them what the problem is they're experiencing. And the issue with giving an HR team a, a directive is they go and execute it. And that may not be what's really causing the problem that is in the executive's mind. And so I think it's really elevating the function the way that you think of other functions across the business and 
working with a leader uh, to, to get them to be more proactive, to think about problems, not to just say, hey, go, you know, go hire 10 people, but why are we hiring 10 people? What's the business problem we're trying to solve? What, what kind of skill sets do we need to get? Um, and then I think it's just, there's all of these trends that are happening that are very difficult to navigate. And you hear this in the news all the time, right? Um, you know, I think it's, it's, we see companies pushing back now, or we see employees pushing back on the return to office. And what's happening mm -hmm. is if, if the company hasn't come up with a compelling reason for why you need to do things other than we just want you in the office three times a week or whatever that may be, then employees are no longer going to accept it. So we have a, a changing workforce. We have a low supply of talent. We have the pandemic has fundamentally shifted things. And now um, employees are also looking for their companies to take a, a stand on social issues um, that, and so you, you look at all those trends and, and they're really hard to navigate without having a strong HR person who's thinking through these, thinking through the business, the culture, and what's going to work for the organization. Oh, that is, that is so true. Things are really changing everybody's perception. Um, please share your thoughts with, if you would, on strategic thinking and planning leadership development. What are your thoughts around that? Or I know you have a lot of thoughts and <laughs> you advise and guide in that area. So, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, good. I think, I think one of the things that we see in, so uh, on, on the strategic planning cycle and, and this varies by company, but, but it, traditionally we see businesses kind of, we see the strategic planning process often led by finance. Like we need to grow this much, right? We have this much for, we believe the market will grow this much. And, and, you know, there's an analysis that's done to kind of say, okay, what's our strategic planning initiative. I really think that HR needs to be at the table during those discussions to talk about the, the people aspect of the growth, right? Because there are so many with that low supply of talent, which we've been dealing yeah. with for a while, but now we're seeing even more of, and I know people are like, well, there's a recession. Yes, there's a recession probably coming, but I don't think it's going to impact the labor market the way that people believe or, or the way it has mm -hmm. in the past. There may be layoffs, but there's still opportunities um, as companies need this talent. And so really having, you know, your goals kind of also ha having the people leader look at those goals and that planning and make sure that they are part of the discussions and not given an, a mandate to then go hire a number of people that may or may not exist. So we see that often. Um, I think what I would say about leadership development. So, I mean, I, I do spend a lot of time. So, so the, the majority of my practice is, is coaching, right? Where I'm coaching CEOs and HR leaders and other business professionals one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. uh, given their unique challenges. I think we have not done a good job from a leadership development standpoint. And you see that across the board, right? Like, you, you, you know, you, you, you see that yeah. within corporations, but you also see that in the public sphere. We don't have a lot of great government leaders right now across both parties, right? And I think this is just a lack of leadership development, a lack of self-awareness, a lack of, 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 you know, really thinking about what's important. But it's also this shift in how we think about, um, you know, our, our constituents. I mean, there is a move towards servant leadership, which means that leaders are here to serve. They're here to listen. Yeah. They're here to help remove obstacles, not to sit in a chair and direct people as to what to do, right? Mm -hmm. Not to give orders, or have a power trip. So 
I think there's a lot of forces at play from a leadership development perspective. Um, you know, I worked with coaches my whole career and I found it so helpful to your point about, you know, athletics and the golf and the swing coach, right? There are just things that they can see and help you do. And I think that's the role I play with my clients too. There are, you know, in the heat of the moment, sometimes you can't see the full picture and another perspective can just help you look at things from a different, in a different way and take different actions that lead to better results for your company and for your leadership and the people that you're leading. Yeah. So, so, so very true. And we, it, businesses are so caught up in the moment, often reacting yes. to things. So we, you know, I talk to clients, sometimes they're running a business or business leaders, or maybe a professional practice, but about leadership development or, or that, in, the, that ultimate enterprise value, right? That is driven by your revenues, but how are your, what are all these other processes in place? And a lot of times people just wait too long they don't want to spend the um, the hour or a couple hours to work on these fine little tuning adjustments that are really so important. They're afraid they'll miss a revenue opportunity or miss something. And you're like, this is this is the whole thing. You know, we're talking about the the longevity plan, keeping people engaged. So I see so many parallels. I'm so glad we had this discussion because I've I've known you and of you for a long time, but I never really, you know, got into it to hear more about this. I mean, it's I see so many parallels with how we're able to guide folks and add value and and be of service. And and your thoughts on public service, my gosh, I hope I hope somebody listening uh, takes that to heart because it's really a sad situation here, a little discouraging, but. Um, what else sort of as we kind of wrap up and close, I guess, with regard to modern human resources, leadership development, anything else we we might not have covered or things you'd want to emphasize, I guess, because you have a lot to share here for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think the last thing I would say is uh, there is no going back. And I think, you know, most most CEOs know that they know that they're not going to be able to go back to this traditional work environment where we have yeah. people in the office five days a week and we still don't know what's coming in the future. So in addition to all the trends I talked about, um, there's also a big digital transformation, AI coming in the workforce, and that's going to cause a level of disruption as well. Yeah. And I think this low supply of talent is going to create a lot of innovation in, in the workforce model, potentially even disrupting, you know, the way that work gets done, right? So we, we, we see a lot of, you know, like the W-2 model, for example, maybe something that starts to get smaller and smaller when you think about the composition of a workforce, just because you won't be able to hire people. And you'll have to focus more on skills that you need and how you go about getting those skills in a very, uh, in a bunch of non-traditional ways. And so I think the thing I would leave you with is navigating the future of work is extraordinarily hard. I would not let, I would not say, okay, we're going to figure it out as we go here. I, I really encourage everyone to figure out how to be proactive about it, how to get more insight to spend cycles thinking about this because um, I think what got us here won't get us there. And we're just about to see a bunch of different changes um, that are coming up in the, in the workforce and in the business world. 
I, I, I couldn't agree more. That's so true. I, you know, there's a, there's a quote I've really embraced and live, you know, just live by, but uh, they say there's a reason that the windshield is so much larger than the rear view mirror. Uh, <laughs> you know, when I like you that. said, yeah, you talked about AI or, or no going back. That's what really came in. And, and so we need to look, look forward. How do people reach you? How should they, if they want to know more, what, how do, how do we do that? How do they do that? I yeah, you can connect with me on LinkedIn or um, you can go to my website, www.dialoglab.net. Okay. And we can put links in the show notes to this so that anybody okay. interested or wants additional resources or to reach out uh, can, you know, pull that right up. We're actually getting quite a audience here i believe it. i thank the listeners but we're in the top 25 percent of all apple podcasts and i guess we're trending in every continent so i uh shockingly for reasons i don't understand there's people on other many continents listening to this and that's awesome yeah patrice did anything jump out for you or questions you might have um no i thought anything? the i thought the discussion was really very insightful the only question i have robert is for you huh? and that yeah. is how can listeners reach you? How can they reach me? Uh, yeah. we, well, they're they're listening to this, so we appreciate it. I I as well am on LinkedIn, uh, Robert Curtis, C U R T I S S. Uh, all the usual methods. I'm on Facebook. Uh, probably good just to email or call my office if you need to. Um, my firm is called Signature Estate and Investment Advisors. There's a link to my bio um with with email contact and things like that and a little bit of a biography uh, but just reach out any any of those methods i'll i'll do my best to get back to you i'd love to hear feedback on the podcast uh suggestions for further uh episodes we, we've got some fun ones planned and um that's how i'm i'm reachable so all right well anisa thank you so much it really was insightful a great discussion folks Listeners, follow this podcast so you don't miss an episode. And if you found this show as interesting as I did, please share with others. Thank you for listening to the Millionaire Next Door podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Signature Estate and Investment Advisors or Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.